The Weather Lounge podcast is brought to you by Crew Tracker Software. This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello there and welcome to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I, of course, thank you for stopping by and checking out our podcast made possible by Crew Tracker Software. We come to you from our Weatherworks headquarters here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And of course, sitting across from me is my co-host and good friend, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, how's it going, Brad? Going all right? Yeah, it's always good to be here on the uh, Weather Lounge podcast, and this one's a very special episode. We've been planning this one for weeks. We've talked about it. We've alluded to it a few times that we can do a whole podcast (laughs) about (laughs) Hurricane Sandy. (laughs) Hurricane Sandy. And now it's 10 years since Hurricane Sandy was there uh, and struck the Northeast here, so... I think it's time that we finally do yeah. the Hurricane Sandy podcast. Yeah, and we're all going to uh, have plenty to talk about, especially you. You were here at Weatherworks. I uh, I was down south at the time uh, watching Hurricane Sandy as a meteorologist, though. Uh, but, you know, it was something that I remember uh, distinctly, too. But um, and, and, and someone else, though, that will have a lot to add on to this right. is our uh, guest today. He is our uh, president and CEO here at Weatherworks, uh, Mr. Frank Lombardo. Uh, He'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. But before we get to Frank, though, we are going to take a short break and then uh, we'll be right back. And uh, Frank will join us here in the Weatherland. Stay with us. Since 2004, Crew Tracker Software has enabled snow and ice management companies to save time, money and resources with their comprehensive digital services platform. All the information needed to plan your operations and make business decisions is current and always available. Along with QuickBooks, Crew Tracker Software provides seamless integration with Weatherworks certified SoFall totals. Visit CrewTracker.com to rock your game and learn how Crew Tracker Software makes managing snow and ice simple. Take advantage of the SIMA Show Special $500 discount and White Glove Startup Service offer. And welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm meteorologist Mike Mahalik here with Brad Miller, as always, and our special guest for the Sandy podcast. One and the only. Yeah. Special. (laughs) I don't like being called special guest, but uh, yeah, I am a guest here. Our uh, president and CEO. A guest of his own company. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. And uh, nobody even said your name yet. We've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Frank Lombardo, how are you doing? I am uh, doing great. Um, I think this is um, um, a great task that we've undertaken. And um, it's brought back a lot of um, good, sad memories. And um, and um, it was a it was a storm to remember. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we were just talking in the intro about how I can't believe it's 10 years ago that this happened. And I remember just like it happened the other day and I was a kid. <laughs> you were a kid? <laughs> well, not quite a kid, but 10 years is a long time for me. Uh, yeah, that but you're is right. True. You're right. The memory definitely sticks with you. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And I mean, let's just kind of recap the yeah, storm I was say, we a got little some... bit because just amazing type of stuff for a landfall here in the Northeast and especially in New Jersey. Um, You know, we were talking about a storm that made landfall around Brigantine in New Jersey at 946 millibars. Yeah, it's unheard of. I mean, yes, that's like your strong hurricanes in the middle of the Atlantic. Keep keep in mind our our most recent hurricane, Ian, only got down to 940. 
Right. All right. So imagine that here in New Jersey, we had a 946 millibar low. I mean, I, I still I got to bring it up right away because I still remember it like it was yesterday. I remember when we were forecasting this storm and I asked which day in advance. Oh, okay. I don't know. It was a long time. It seemed like we were forecasting it for a month, but really it wasn't. Um, but uh, I remember when it was getting close to impact and I asked you, I said, Frank, what do you think is going to happen here? What, what do you think this is going to be like, the impacts of this storm? Um, because, I mean, this is just a crazy, a 940-some low coming into New Jersey. And you said to me, well, Mike? I'm scared. <laughs> well, I don't remember I'm scared. But I do remember you saying something like uh, to the effect of, well, I have not seen or experienced a storm with this low a pressure. And, and I was scared. I was scared. It's the, and this is what we talk about when we talk about these storms. It's right. like the unknown factor. It's right. the, the unexperienced factor. And uh, I was scared when it made that turn toward the coast. Yeah. Um, it was like, okay, this is one for the record and, book. And you know what, Frank? It's, it's amazing. It, with your weather experience and your history and the knowledge of being in the weather industry for so long, to have that much uncertainty at your state, and granted, it was 10 years ago, but even today with Ian and, and other storms, there's still a lot of unknown. And, we, and, and that's the beauty, if you will, with meteorology is, is not everything's the same. Yeah, we can forecast that, a snowstorm, <laughs> but there's always something that's different. That is definitely what fascinates us about meteorology, but it's also the obstacle that gets in the way um, because people, the public, becomes accustomed to the nomenclature we give these storms. Hurricane Ian, okay? Oh, it's a Category 3. I've lived through a hurricane that's Category 3, so this, I don't have to do what I need to do. So, you know, people become accustomed to reacting a certain way, but every one of these Monsters is different, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, it's is it the wind field that's expanded? Is it a narrow wind field? Is it a big wind field? Sometimes right. it's the flooding. You know, we could have a similar storm heading toward the Jersey coast, same direction, same path, but doesn't bring the um, same impact. The, yeah. the same impact, or the impacts are different. It might be wind. Um, yeah, you know, Hurricane Donna. It was wind in 1960. Mm. Um, it was. Uh, not so much surge, although there was a big surge in New York City during Hurricane Donna. It was a lot of wind, but yeah, each of these, each of these is is different. Is a different animal. Yeah, and going back to some of the recaps, you know, I'm just kind of uh, reading what we have here and what we gathered. Um, you know, the highest uh, wind gust was 96 miles per hour, and that was in Eaton's Park, New York. Uh, ice slip hit 90 miles per hour. Um, even inland, as you get towards like Allentown, 81 miles per hour. Um, the coastal flooding, Kings Point, New York, 14.38 feet. Amazing. I mean, that's the, it broke. And, and then the battery, 13.88, and that broke Donna's record of 10 feet. And I mean, that's, that's three and a half feet. It, it, oh, yeah. Well, when, when, when you look at the Sandy Hook gauge and you realize that it broke at 13, what is it, 13.31 uh, feet. Uh, that actually broke. We don't know where that ended up, if it ended up at 14 or 15 feet. I have a meteorology professor from Kane University who um, actually um, 
had a house in Keensburg, um, Monmouth County, northeastern Monmouth County, that during that surge, half the house was actually moved away, got totally destroyed. That picture actually made the cover of a lot of national newspapers and magazines. And, and he talked to me about it and said, you know, he had lived through so many storms. It was one of those older homes um, on the bay, but it was like totally destroyed, totally like wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, and it's funny you mentioned about how the gauge broke at Sandy Hook. Now, I did get a number at 14.4 feet. So I don't know how they arrived at that. Maybe there was some sort of estimate going on there um, where that actually ended up. But a lot of people around New Jersey talk about December 92 as a very severe coastal flooding beach erosion situation where it was. I remember well. <laughs> so, but that Sandy surpassed that by four feet. Right. And surpassed any of these. <laughs> Again, the uh, you know we we what I'm starting not what I'm starting to realize is that these storms only come with years that end in two. Oh, okay. We had a 19. Oh no. We had a 1962 storm, the uh, March 6th and 7th uh, uh, nor'easter that wiped out a lot of the Jersey Shore. I don't like where you're going with. Th- it. Thirty years later, we had the. <laughs> We're almost out of 2022, at least 30, for the northeast. 30, Thirty years later, we had the 1992 storm. Twenty years later, we had the. 2012 storm. Um, so, um, you know, people think of these storms and they think uh, it's a hundred year storm. Well, this particular one might be, but they're all a little bit different right. and they, and they do come more frequently than every hundred years. Yeah. And that's what we, 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 we can't get that mindset that, well, I mean, Sandy on the other hand might've been a one in 500 year event, but let's hope that's a one and done at least yes, for one my done. lifetime. I like, because I like, I like that. Um, but I, I don't like what you're saying there because we are in 2022, Frank. Got three we months st- left. We still have some time here. And Sandy impacted uh, New Jersey on the 29th of October. So let's let's hope. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> there's not another. Uh, maybe it's just a December snowstorm. Okay. Okay. Let's go All for right, that. Let's we'll go, go for it. a blizzard. Yeah, no, speaking I like of that. snow now, uh, just one last uh, recap here. Um, you know, the rain amounts. They varied, of course, which is typical of any tropical slash turning hybrid system, you know, two, three inches all the way up to about 12 inches. But three feet of snow, three feet of snow fell in West Virginia on the backside of Sandy, which is amazing. You, you see that the coastal and, and the, 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 the things that happened along the New Jersey coast and the flooding and the, you know, the surge. And then, you know, think about the winter side, because we are in that time of the year where elevation, just right. enough we, cold air. Absolutely. And, you know, that was part of the reason uh, that Sandy took that track was that uh, uh, upper level low, the uh, uh, steering winds, and, and that contained the cold air to produce that snow. Over. Probably, probably their biggest snowfall oh. that season, I would oh, imagine. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe well, the December for 90, a long time. The December 92 storm um, was so intense on the models that I think that's the first time I got scared. Sandy was the second time. Okay. That and then you got scared it, in 96. It, it didn't and then- look right. <laughs> it, did, it looked like there was an error on the maps because this low was deepening so fast off of Maryland and Delaware in the models that it just didn't look real. But it, it, ended up, it turned out real. But that also produced a lot of snow. Yeah. I mean, that produced three, four feet of snow in New York State. We changed the snow here in North Jersey 
I think Central Jersey might have seen a little snow at the end of that storm as well. But um, uh, I uh, had friends in Monmouth County along the beach uh, in, in historic homes, those huge homes north of Long Branch uh, that got flooded for the first time. Not their beachfront, but they're across the street beachfront that uh, yeah. with big dunes that typically don't don't have any issues. But they they had issues with the 92 storm, significant issues. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how the snow did get involved in this storm because you mentioned the upper low. There was also a big high up to the north Absolutely. that was That's basically what, holding up Sandy right. so it wouldn't push That's too far north. Right into the mid And then with and that Northie, upper right. low coming in, it just kind of wrapped everything Perfect back timing, in. Yeah. And I mean, I remember seeing the track and I'm just thinking to myself, this is so off the wall. How is this going to actually go down? You know, and... Um, I even was looking through our old tweets just yesterday. Yeah, yeah we were talking about that. And one of our meteorologists at the time said, look at this hilarious solution from the, uh, from the Canadian, um, which brought New Jersey with the left hook right in. And this was on October 21st. And the storm hit on the 29th. Right, eight days yeah. before. So it was just like, you know, it didn't end up being hilarious because no, it actually no. happened. Uh, and, um, and, but, but it's amazing that that panned again, out. Every, Again, to, to my point that each one of these storms is different. Um, the storm did make a turn toward the coast. Um, but as meteorologists, we're, we're fascinated with these storms and we're fascinated with the intensity and how these are driven. Um, and, you know, you, you think, what's, what's the scenario for a hurricane in New Jersey? What's, this, what's, what's the worst case scenario? And, and a lot of these large cities conduct studies on well, New York City, you know, spends millions of dollars a year uh, conducting studies on how to protect its lowest elevations. Um, they, the, I read years ago, the study that was conducted for New York City planned on a 960 millibar low hitting, worst case scenario, okay? Um, so they missed it by 20 millibars. Okay, and that was worst case. So when I see one of these storms and I see Sandy, I think, okay, worst case is still coming. Okay, yeah. it can't be worst case. You right. know, statistically, there has to be something worse than this that will hit New Jersey. You know, and hopefully we get to that later, but are we, are we prepared? But yeah, very unusual track, but it certainly was a track that all the climate models predicted would be worst case scenario for New Jersey, for New York Harbor, for, for um, Philadelphia, et cetera. And the, and the meteorology part of it was correct. I mean, when you, I don't, you know, we, we look at models and of course, you know, it guides us towards our forecast. It's basically guidance, but the meteorology made sense when you saw the setup with the high and the upper level low to the West. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's I that, see the meteorology part of it, but it, it can't happen. That can't happen. It's it's that perfect storm combination. Exactly. And all the pieces were in their perfect spot for it to happen that it's way. It's so rare. And it's like all these coincidences have to co coincide. All these moving parts. All right. these moving parts have to coincide. And uh, I, I typically... I don't believe that that's going to happen because typically it doesn't happen. One thing can go wrong and then it's right. a completely different and, forecast you know, it, and outcome. It, 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 um, uh, when we talk about 
you know, chaos in the atmosphere, there are so many moving parts that the further out the forecast, the less likely that that forecast is going to you know, fall exactly as the model indicates. But in this case, yeah. And you talk about the rarity of Sandy, the rarity of the track, even our clients picked up on this rarity. And we do have a clip from uh, Pat Donnelly. Mm -hmm. He was in Little Egg Harbor. Um, he's now in Lakewood, but at the time he was the director of uh, Little Egg Harbor. And he had pretty much this to say about the storm and uh, our sound engineer will play this here in a minute. You know, even as, even as a young kid, I always kind of followed the weather, but seeing the track coming the way that it was coming, and, you know, it kind of always hit that peninsula coming off, you know, just passing the Carolinas and then Delaware, like down that way. And it kind of always helped Jersey, you know. But once I saw that track and I started seeing and I'm like, oh, Lord. I, like, I saw what was coming from the west, what was pushing into the east. And that's what I saw. And I was like, honestly, in, in all my life as a young kid, in my early career and in where I am now, I've never seen something like that before. You know, um, it, it, that, that was something that unprecedented. I've never seen something like that. Well, yeah, that's absolutely uh, what I'm talking about here. Uh, it, it, it was just um, when, when the models all came around to that consistent path, that's when I got scared. <laughs> all right. It's, it's, it's coming. It, this, is, this was an unknown for New Jersey. Uh, my first hurricane experience is Donna. Okay. Long time ago, way before you guys. And, uh, and Donna was a category two storm that moved off the New Jersey coast. And it may still be the only category two storm that's affected New Jersey. Never made landfall in New Jersey, but, but there were 90 mile an hour winds. It was wind damage. It was a big, um, um, uh, water levels rose. Um, the surge was high, especially in Long Island and New York. Um, uh, but typically, New Jersey experiences storms that run parallel to the coast. This storm came right at us. This storm took aim and came directly 90 degrees towards us. Uh, and it's like, okay, here comes this railroad train. What do we do? How do we get off the track? And, and, and you can't. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, his comments are dead yeah, on. Right that's, on, that's right? What, that's what we were because thinking. Because that is the worst case scenario. A storm coming Absolutely. due west at us is going to pile up all that water against the shoreline, pile it up in the, into the sound, you know, focus it on New York City not area. Allow, not allow it to flow back into the nope. ocean. That right. constant east wind or east-northeast wind just blowing in uh, to the coast. And plus we had, I believe it was a high tide cycle at the time with the full moon. We had high tide. We had not just like when people say full moon, like within three days of the full moon, they're still saying full moon. Oh, it looks full. Yeah. It was 100% illumination on October 29th in the late afternoon. Okay. So it could not have coincided. When I say perfect storm, everything came together. Right. 
I mean, and and to allude to your scary part, I mean, we're almost at Halloween and this type of storm with the full moon and, uh, and, and you're the, right, you're right. The high tide cycles. I mean, it was almost like it was meant to be a kind of a uh, big storm. Now, before this, I mean, the biggest storm that I've ever experienced was the Superstorm in '93, and I think that had about a 960 a millibar pressure. Um, yeah, I coming don't, in. I don't remember. I mean, I know the storm well. Uh, yeah, that was a, um, uh, you know, one of the that that had probably the most geographical coverage yeah, right. of snowfall of any storm that I can remember. I mean, from this Southern Appalachians yeah. to, to, to Canada. Yeah, to even uh, Northern Alabama yeah, yeah. Yeah. saw significant yeah, I think Mount snow. Mount Mitchell in North Carolina was like 50 something inches. Yeah, exactly. And it had a severe aspect to it too. That was the one that yes. blew that almost like, I guess a derecho basically into like Tampa Bay and right, right across oh, yeah. the Gulf. It was. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It was that um, uh, line that came through, uh, act, yeah. Uh, Southern Central Florida. So I can still see that squall line. Yeah. So when we when we talk about Sandy, that was my benchmark at the time. Super uh, the Superstorm in '93 was my biggest storm right. to impact the area. Then I saw this thing, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, "You just skip the blizzard of '96, though, Mike." And you were and you were well, th- and you were thinking, if it was only snow. No. no. Actually, um, when we first started talking about the storm, uh, the year prior, we had a, a snowstorm around Halloween. Right. And we first thought that, well, maybe this will be a redo of what we had the prior year. A snow came. Um, yeah. And, and, and we were looking at it because it looked cold. And well, it still was cold in parts of West Virginia. Um, so that was... Something that we first we first started talking about it on our social media channels on Twitter uh, on the 21st. Wow. Now, the storm hit New Jersey on the 29th. So we first started talking about it there. We first started talking about it in our blogs and discussing the situation on the 22nd. Now, I don't think we've ever done that eight days. No. In advance. Yes. And the reason that we did this was because I did mention the Canadian model earlier having the storm solution, but it was still all over the place. But the European model was so darn consistent. Every single run was bringing it into New Jersey or somewhere along the Northeast from Cape Cod to the Delmarva. And when you see that kind of consistency out of a model like the European... I mean, I think it basically put the model on the map. Oh, it's, it's the, comp, the comparison is every storm now. Well, the Euro got Sandy right, so it has yeah, to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, that is still a question that I'm asked almost all the time. And, you know, as meteorologists, um, everyone that you know comes up to you and asks you what you think about the weather. And for years after that, oh, what's the Euro say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zero say. Uh, it definitely uh, put the uh, uh, that model on the map. In fact, it put all, I think all the models on the map because no one right. no one would talk about the models as much prior to that. Um, now it's like uh, oh, the American model says this, the European model says this, in right. um, uh, in the public domain of weather forecasting. It's become much more the common nomenclature uh, um, to say the euro. 
I'm cool if I say, <laughs> if I ask that question. <laughs> well, now, isn't that kind of the, a little bit of the issue nowadays as far as communicating the weather, though? Because these models are so They're available out there. to everyone, right. To everybody. And we always talk about combating hype. Um, and we always run into that issue, you know, with our forecasting nowadays. Social media, the mm -hmm. media itself, TV. Right. Now... This is a situation, though, that where it was kind of the opposite, though, because, you know, we you always combat hype. However, this one had backing for like, for right for yeah, this, like this one situation. It needed it. So what kind of issues did you see, Frank, in that when we had we always get a lot of hype in the media. Now we have a storm that actually needs the hype. Like, how do we battle something like that? It's a, it, I mean, that's a challenge. Uh, I, I, at the beginning of this event in 2012, um, the storm path and, and track that the Euro had, that the Canadian occasionally had, um, you know, a week before, eight days before, um, um, I was respective of it, mm -hmm. but... At eight days out, I didn't believe it, sure. okay? Didn't believe it. Uh, however, I remember having conversations with our operational team um, here and Sean and Kevin at that time, and you have to weigh these situations based on magnitude, like you're saying, Mike. Um, low probability, extreme magnitude. I've got to mention it. Um, low probability or moderate probability five days out ex this, the magnitude stays the same here mm -hmm. so the magnitude wasn't changing mm -hmm. the magnitude was getting worse right. because more models were indicating a, a direct hit right. so you always have to balance the magnitude of the event versus the probability of the event to, to assess the risk of of the event. Um, <clears throat> as we got closer to the event, we realized that there were so many other things, a lack of experience in New Jersey, a lack of preparation in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, all those things, again, combined with this perfect storm scenario. Um, uh, but as we, uh, um, as Brad said, there's just so much weather information available to the public these days and so many models that it's become more challenging uh, with these models. How many times has there, this year, there have been at least four or five or half a dozen times where the models have predicted a significant hurricane off the New Jersey coast. Right. We haven't even had one come close other than the remnants of Ian. Right. Now, and the remnants of Ian are only producing 30, 40 mile an hour winds, mm -hmm. but still doing considerable damage Impactful. along the Jersey coast. All right. Didn't have to be that major hurricane. In fact, it wasn't any of those major hurricanes yes. <laughs> that were forecast. So um, an eight day forecast, the model's now going out 10, 15 days. The reliability of those are relatively low and we shouldn't believe hype that's out more than a week, I'd say, right. at this point. <clears throat> but it does make for headlines. Right. I was going to say on the media side now, I mean, I'll, 
I'll yeah. chime in on my side. And now, as I mentioned earlier, I lived down south at the time. I was at TV Met uh, down in Charleston for about 15 years before Weatherworks. And down there, summertime forecast, 30% chance of an afternoon thunderstorm. Everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, normal. I'll tell you one thing, though. When hurricanes start to work their way up the newscast and you start to lead with the possibility, everyone's eyes and ears are wide open down there. They respect what could happen only when in South Carolina because of Hugo. Hugo, and I'll tell you, Hugo was north of Charleston. It's still, it, it, they didn't have power in some places for two, three months. The landfall that I actually went north of there in McClellanville, Charleston had an offshore wind. They had some flooding, not as bad as it could have been, but it still devastated the city. Mm-hmm. So when Sandy, of course, started to make its turn up towards Cuba into the Bahamas, and it started to turn. It turned northwest. That's when all the alerts and sirens yeah, are. Yeah, hey, yeah. They let every newscast. We let every single newscast. Our chief meteorologist on it all day. I mean, we had updates, updates. Then the model started to turn it more because anytime it's pointed towards that way, it's yeah, like you go yeah, track. Yeah. And they're sure. thinking, and they're already in OpCon two, OpCon three. We got to get ready. They're, they prepare early, and then as soon as that storm track started to turn north a little bit, and we're getting a little bit. You know, okay, maybe we're out of the woods. And once it gets to our latitude and it's moving north, we're like, whew, we're out of the woods on this one. But, of course, we started to see the track for the Mid-Atlantic. And my parents lived up here. I'm thinking, you know, they're back in the Poconos still. But, granted, everyone's going to get impacted by this. And I wasn't even didn't want to think about New York City. And, and then you guys, of course, went through the whole thing. And, 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 you know, the media side could be your pal. Media side can produced the hype and things where we're fighting that sometimes. But yeah, in this situation um, down South, I'll tell you, Sandy was, was not like messed around with. It was yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cause they, they did have that Hugo experience. The interesting thing about the two storms, um, at least I find it interesting is that um, Sandy in the models was forecast to turn left. Hugo was not. Hugo, we were preparing for Hugo here because oh, wow. the storm was tracking um, parallel to the coast mm-hmm. until the Carolinas and then perhaps turning west into Delaware Bay, into, uh, into the Chesapeake Bay area. Uh, but it made a left turn and then it, it, it ended up in Ohio. You know? <laughs> it just kept, once it made up its mind, right. it just went... Northwest and kept hit the coast yep. and then kept moving inland across the Appalachians. And-, and and on the meteorology part of that, the reasoning for that, because I mean, I was, I mean, this is long after Hugo hit down there when I was uh, living down there, but I, I looked at all the data and, I, and my old chief, Bill Walsh, she's still there at the station I worked at. There was an upper level low that was unmodeled in the Eastern Gulf of Mexico. Okay. That is what kind of pulled it just enough back to the yeah. northwest and yeah. for it to make a landfall. Yeah. But like you said, it was supposed to actually continue further yeah. up towards maybe clipping like the Outer Banks or something. Exactly. There was there was a good-sized trough that was moving it uh, north-northwest. Uh, and and it's over the, over the course of a night, the next day, the storm's moving, keeps turning toward the west. And it's... Mm-hmm. And, and there was some circulation yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico, and it was probably a little short wave moving around the main, main big trough that just pulled it back into the trough earlier. But, um, and I don't know what the notice was 
for Charleston, maybe 48 hours, but it certainly it, was. It, it changed quick, uh, it was according not, to what they told me. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like five days in advance or anything like that. So, um, And pivoting back to Sandy, we sent out our first statements for this storm to our clients on the 23rd, October 23rd. Wow, six days in advance. Yeah. Six days in advance of landfall on the 29th. And I do have the first statement here, and we listed the two scenarios. I got to say, there was a, a meteorologist on this, and it did say uh, Mike Mahalik, by the way. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that out there. All right. No, it was a collaborative effort. I remember us all talking about what we're going to say. But we talked about the two tracks. We talked about a track that could have Sandy... Um, pass out to sea, cold front swings through, we don't really see much impacts. The second track though was the more significant impact that actually occurred and we talked about how a significant impact somewhere between the Delmarva and Cape Cod, the second scenario would bring heavy flooding rainfall, damaging wind, winds, substantial coastal flooding and beach erosion to the northeast. Now I read this Frank and I know how we are as a company and we are typically conservative very, and, very. and we want to make sure that we got it right when we get our forecasts out. With us mentioning that in the first statement, that leads me to believe that we were pretty confident about that scenario happening. We were, again, again, <laughs> we were pretty confident, but magnitude was way off the charts. Right. Okay? Uh, in right. that scenario, it was so, the magnitude was so big and so destructive that we had no choice. They left us had no to. option at that point. Had to say something, right? Right. So we got those first statements out. Our first storm alerts went out on the 26th. So we're still way ahead of the game here. And I got to say, um, 72 hours. Again, uh, our guy, uh, Pat Donnelly, one of our clients, started prepping early for Sandy. And, I, and I'm, I want to say it's because of our forecasts, you know, being what they were saying. But we do have a clip from Pat Donnelly, again, talking about how they started prepping before the storm. And um, I would say that's when we started to board up our township building. We, you know, brought in, you know, uh, rented generators more than, you know, we had onboard generators for all our buildings. We did a lot of that stuff because of Hurricane Irene. We kind of prepped better than most towns did, you know, no disrespect to them, but we did a lot of that stuff to bring all that equipment in to prepare ourselves so we could still function. Um, had actually diesel fuel on hand, regular gas on hand, you know, all those different things. And it's just, I always prepared, spoke to you guys at Weatherworks and made sure like, hey, just keep getting me updated. I was probably the most annoying client you guys had at the time, to be honest. All right, so Frank, there you have um, Pat Donnelly, one of our clients, you know, utilizing you know some of the information that we we're giving him yeah. to make those preparations telling us he's the most annoying client but <laughs> yeah. you know what they're not annoying pat's not at all pat, not at all that's great um but yeah <laughs> be proactive because that's the job that 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 level requires um you know we were being proactive in the meteorological sense uh uh you know helping prepare our clients and and, and doing stuff uh, and you know, when I look back, we did, I don't think we did enough, <laughs> I uh, think. but I mean, maybe not enough for the staff, you know, we, we're, we're preparing for where are people going to stay? Are there hotels? Are there, you know, uh, what happens if this, you know, looking for contingency plans? We thought we had them in place, but 
Again, this is, we planned for an event that wasn't Sandy. Right, right. <laughs> we planned for a big event, but not yes, historic event. Yeah. We're used to those snowstorms, knock right. us out for a few hours. Um, but I do remember that, you know, those forecasts leading up were getting more and more dire every time we would do a forecast. You know, we, we have, you know, our wind impacts at extreme and our coastal flooding at extreme, but it's like we couldn't say it enough, like how dire the circumstance was. And that's, I think, where we're trying to like bust through that you know, hype that we always have to deal with. No, this is the real thing, everybody. This is the one. This is the worst case scenario. There is nothing worse that we can see, you know, in our lifetime as forecasters, that would be this bad. So I did notice that, you know, it was, our wording was getting more dire. And I think one of our forecasters, Ken Elliott, also had something to say about our forecasting um, that we'd like to play here right now. I would say it was a gradual buildup of forecaster anxiety at some level and and a little bit of each one of us meteorologists that likes to see active weather. And each day it became kind of like more real. And then I would say it was a day or two before the storm when we were like, okay, there's just really no way out here. This is becoming a worst case scenario. And um, it's just a matter of how bad it will be over how large of an area. And I think that, that anxiety towards the end of it, knowing that People, some of, some of us with loved ones and friends, our clients, and, and just the community at large, we're going to have a large deal of trouble as we went through the week. Yeah, I mean, so there you have it. I mean, yeah. I, I got a, I felt that same sentiment when when I was listening to this clip before the podcast. I was getting the butterflies in my stomach Me again. Too. Me too. Uh, absolutely. I just uh, I sensed the same thing, and because we thrive on adrenaline during these storms as meteorologists. But there comes a point, and and that point, we got to that point with Sandy where, hey, yeah, we got this adrenaline boost. This is an amazing event, historic event meteorologically, and we are experiencing it as meteorologists. But then it turns, and you start thinking of family. You start thinking about my home, my property, uh, my kids, school, uh, what's going on? Uh, And so... We all felt that as the storm is approaching the coast. Uh, and uh, it became, as uh, Ken said, real. Not just real from, we're just not forecasting a, a snowstorm. Snowstorm, here. right. We're forecasting an a event right. that, that, that will be so historic that people are going to be that talking we're talk about, about it 10 years 10 later. Years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, and... Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I got those same butterflies, Mike. Right. I, I, and look, I mean, during the storm, when that storm started making that landfall, we started seeing all that coastal flooding happening. And sometimes that coastal flooding was happening uh, two or three high tides before it was even making landfall. Yeah. Oh, it did. Um, it started a few, few tides before it made landfall. And, you know, once that started making that impact, like you said, that's when it started really hitting home and are we okay? And I think there was always a moment in the storm when it was hitting that it was kind of like, okay, this is like a big storm. Okay, I get it. And there was that moment almost in everybody that was like, oh no. 
This is much different. We're only in this a couple of hours. Yeah, look this, what's already happened. Yeah, here. this is not good. Well, and yeah, they'll, I, I agree. You know, the storm's coming, the storm's <laughs> coming, it's raining, the wind's picking up, and you're going, yeah. okay, okay, I can handle this, I can handle this. It's about eight o'clock at night now, and yeah. the storm's made landfall, and the winds just shifted from northeast to northwest. And I heard this roar come through my woods mm-hmm. and trees popping and and boom, that's when the power went out. And was it, it was like, and for the rest of the night, it was, you know, just banging and banging. Oh. And I remember that same exact thing because I was staying in a local hotel here in Hackettstown and we were all having a good time. I think it was a couple of our meteorologists. We were staying in the same room and there was actually a party going on down the hall, believe it or not. There People go. were hurricane party. calling it a hurricane party, right? So then this situation happened. Like you said, eight, nine, 10 o'clock, all of a sudden you start hearing stuff cracking. Yeah. You start hearing stuff breaking. You start hearing that, you know, howling wind noise that you everybody always talks about and it and then things started flickering things started flickering and then big gust all out all out all out all the lights you looked out the window nothing on the hillside was on how was your breakfast the next morning we didn't have a breakfast (laughs) we got some flashlights out and we kind of you know got to our cars and made our way into the office which was a very eerie experience no lights on branches trees down everywhere and you're just trying to and i'm just talking about coming through these neighborhoods that are close to our office these back roads and i'm going oh my gosh this is amazing like i can't even like i i knew it was going to be bad you know but when you get into that situation and and you're experiencing it you're like oh my this is like the worst thing that could possibly happen and 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 to realize okay we've been forecasting this event for eight days or six right. six days it's like our it's, life <laughs> it's fun exactly it's it's arrived yes it's done what we expected maybe even worse um because uh, we don't know at that point we don't know if people are receiving our forecast anymore right. we don't know about communication um we are having problems with communication. Um, um, and, and, you know, it, the, the, the perspective changes all of a sudden. Okay. We're forecasting. Now we're on the storm and soon we'll be post storm. What do we do? How do we manage the office? Where, where, where are these meteorologists? Uh, where are they staying? Can they get here? Um, there were stories that I heard in the next, few days of meteorologists driving to work. I only had to drive over three power lines. Okay. Or I had to, my car barely fit under this tree that was falling. And I, I got it between, it was like guilty. Yeah. Okay. It it might, they might've been all your stories. Um, That's, that's what I did. But, but, uh, and that's the way the roads were for a week. Right. Uh, and some of the back roads just stayed that way for seven days, 10 days, 14 days. 
Yeah. And I think pretty much everybody got to that point during the storm where it was like, oh no, this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And we have another one of our clients, Alan Spector, um, that had, he's from Manalapan in New Jersey. And he had uh, this to say about the storm, which is uh, pretty amazing. You know, the bigger equipment was sitting here ready to go. Um, we did at the beginning of the storm have them on the road clearing trees as they were blocking roads. But uh, at some point it got to be too dangerous. Uh, myself and the chief of police decided to pull everybody off the road unless there was uh, uh, like imminent life or death at that point. During the storm, it was kind of weird because for the first several hours, it really wasn't too bad. Sure, the winds were gusty by us, but we were well inland, so we really weren't getting, you know, it was typical 20 to 40 mile per hour winds for most of the late afternoon and early evening. I want to say between like 8 and 10 p.m. that night, though, things ramped up significantly. Um, you know, the howling wind that you always hear people telling about, well, we kind of, I kind of heard that for the first time in my life that night. Um, we, at, before that point, though, we kind of rushed to get one more round of updates out to our clients because we were anticipating not only our own communications problems, but at some point our clients, even if they were in relatively good shape, would lose power and so on and wouldn't be able to get any forecasts. So there you have a kind of similar stories from our client, uh, Alan, and, and also our uh, uh, meteorologist, Ken Elliott, you know, talking about there was that point where they just had to pull people off the road. Things started failing from our communication side and from the power aspect. And um, I, I remember that well when I came in that morning run generator power and but our Internet was down and we had the backup Internet but only one port was working and we had to try to make this work. How are we going to make this work for, for more than one station? Yeah. How are all these meteorologists going to? Right. And, you know, I forget who it was came up. It might've been a former meteorologist came up with an idea like, Oh, we can all plug into this switch and we can split it and we can get a, a cord here and a cord there. So we had these wires just yeah. Amaz running Amaz all over. orange <laughs> extension cords. <laughs> And upstairs, downstairs. Yeah. And there is a picture of that um, <laughs> that I remember on on putting on our social media channel of all the wires running to all the desktops. And I'm sure we'll be able to show that to you here. Um, but it, it was just amazing. And, you know, you were only getting so much bandwidth out of the one line that I remember utilizing my phone's 4G service to try to get some sort of, sure. you know, weather model, weather data. But then that was the other thing. Everything was down. Yeah. Right. All the, all the METARs, all the reporting stations right. were, were out of power. So there was nothing. Exactly. exactly. All the weather stations, the uh, weather service uh, observations were down. Um, the um, mesonet stations uh, or like local observers that have their own instruments. Um, uh, their power was out too. So we really, um, it was a true test of uh, meteorological skill because there wasn't much data to work with 12, 24 hours after. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, Frank, you weren't even sure how many or who were still getting the forecasts because uh, exactly. not only on our end. Um, you know, the, the role or the job that I took on that, that next morning was, okay, 
are, are we are people in hotels? Yes, but there's no power. Um, <laughs> and it's getting warm and stuffy. And that went on for days. Uh, are people fed? Let's get food to the people. Um, I, I, what, what evolved over the next week was the gas stations had no power. Couldn't pump the gas. And, and they couldn't pump gas. And the few that did have power had lines that were a half a mile long. Um, and some of our meteorologists were needed to commute back 10 or 20 miles or more. And we can't come in because mm -hmm. okay. at that point, you know, now we have the capability of working remote since COVID. But back then, you know, it was, it was a rare opportunity. Yes, you can make a few phone calls on your cell phone, but we didn't have the capability to work remotely. So we needed to bring people into our office. I became the runner for gas. So <laughs> I immediately collected 25, 30 gallons of gas at my house. Wow. Um, and I remember one meteorologist, I wish I remember his name. I don't remember who he, his name, <laughs> but he ran out of gas in line somewhere and I had to run him over five gallons so he could make it to the pump to get, get filled some. up. <laughs> and then others would call me and say, uh, Frank, I can't come in because I only have uh, a quarter of a tank and I'm going to use most of it to get there and I won't be able to get back home. I said, well, you can come in anyway because I can give you 10 more gallons. Okay, oh, there so you go. I was, wow. I was portioning out this gas to individuals and meeting them in different places and driving. And oh, it was a, it was a nightmare. See, this, but this whole part of the podcast is fascinating to me because I wasn't here to live this. Right. And I, of course, I read what I could. I saw what was happening. Um, but just to listen to the stories and, 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 you know, I've been at Weatherworks for five, six years now, and, and I can just imagine, you know, I, I, I just imagine now when we have big snowstorms and the commotion and, and the anxiety and the, mm. um, what was the other word? Uh, the, the fast, not the adrenaline, fast, the adrenaline, the yeah, adrenaline. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine what this was. And, and again, as a meteorologist, that's what you, that's what you, you, sure, sure. Why you're in this business. Right. And, and, and just to, to hear these stories, to hear Ken talk, hear our clients. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's just fascinating to me to actually kind of relive this through you guys. Well, I mean, it was, it was gas. Um, my wife would ask me when I get home a couple of days later, she'd say, uh, what's the forecast for the next few days? I says, I haven't looked at a weather map all day. I've been getting bagels, getting pizza, uh, booking <laughs> rooms, uh, <laughs> delivering gas. Yeah. Uh, I, says, they're, they're, I uh, totally lost touch with the forecast the next few days. And that was the, one of the most difficult parts was trying to build an accurate forecast with limited data that you were getting. Mm -hmm. um, really testing your skills. Yeah. I mean, I was about ready to walk out to the parking lot and, you know, do the whole finger in the air thing hey, and see, hey, see which know, way the winds, oh, it's coming out of the Southwest. So I guess Sandy's off to the, uh, across Pennsylvania somewhere right wow. now. Um, but uh, no, it wasn't to that extent, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it really did test our skills. And then you're thinking to yourself, like you said before, is anybody even going to get these forecasts? Like you're hoping that they have the redundancy to get them. Um, but, you know, with the power out, phone lines struggling, you know, you didn't know if they had internet or if they were going to have the phone service to get a fax. Um, you know, you just hoped, you know, that things right, right. got where yeah. they needed to go. Um, so, so we touched on now the 
kind of after the storm. We 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 had our employees trying to get in and and what they yeah, saw. Yeah, during it. You know, and and you know, in today's dollars, uh, Sandy did seventy three point five billion dollars in damage, and that's the sixth uh, behind uh, Katrina, Harvey, Maria, Irma, and Ida. Um, you know, again, it was it was something to see when you and, and I talked to our, our, our when I talked to Pat Donnelly and I talked to Alan Spector, um, you know, I asked them both. And, and we have a soundbite here coming from Alan. I said, well, when you shut the door, when you shut your maintenance garage door the night before it started to work its way in, what did you see actually when you woke up the next morning or when you were able to go outside? And uh, uh, Mike, I think I'll play that for us right now. Oh, it was like a war zone. Yeah, we, you know, we had to start by, um, you know, dividing up our crews and sending them out. Um, Obviously, we were getting um, some information back, but at some point, even, you know, obviously landlines didn't work. We did have some cell service at that point. Um, But, you know, the the cell towers aren't what they are. They weren't what they are today, where everything has got generators on them and everything else. So, uh, cell service was even spotty at best. So there you go from Alan. I mean, just basically looking like a war zone is uh, yeah. uh, pretty much a good description of that. Uh, I mean, trying to drive home and, and, and that was almost an impossibility with the amount of tree damage um, that you were dealing with and the down power lines and things like that. I mean, look, there was eight and a half million people without power across the eastern U.S. Five and a half million was just in New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Right. I mean, amazing amount of uh, damage that was done here by Sandy. Yeah. And the wind factor, uh, like I said, you know, each of these, each of these storms is different. Uh, the coastal residents remember the flooding, remember the erosion, uh, remember some of the wind. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to you, Mike, earlier about a friend of mine that actually stayed on Long Beach Island during the storm uh, and with a uh, beachfront home, uh, sent his wife and two daughters uh, inland and decided that he was going to brave out the storm and uh, and live to tell the story but it, it's it's a horrendous story of you know fury uh, mother nature winning out basically you know eroding dunes and flooding his house and uh, and 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 him hoping for the best and he also remembers that wind shifting and he's and, and he says to me uh, you know for a moment I thought okay I've been undermined by water but the winds haven't been so bad. Now they're <laughs> 80 miles an hour out of the north, northwest. Yeah, yeah. And he feels like the house is going to just collapse and fall. So uh, scary moments for all of us. But that war zone mm. quote is, is, is the way it looked the next day. Yeah. And, and we're just talking about the wind damage mostly. But you alluded to the coastal flooding and the coastal damage. I mean, that was just I mean, we're talking about flood uh subways that were flooding in new york city and salt water flooding yes to make it you know i mean but it's yeah. bad enough to have fresh water flooding but that salt right right create a havoc on the on the lines and stuff. yeah i mean you just you just didn't get a sense you didn't like you knew it was going to be bad ahead of time but you didn't get the 
sense of yeah. how much it's, impact it, it, it was again, going to have. The, ex, the experience level here in New Jersey, um, you know, yeah, it's going to flood, but is salt water, gonna, salt water going to flood all the telephone lines? Yeah. Uh, all the um, sewer lines, um, uh, you know, the corrosion that occurred and yeah. the, the total reconstruction of, uh, of some of the... Uh, um, infrastructure on LBI had to be done. Uh, and we, we saw some of it. We saw them beginning that construction when we were down there. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the funny thing about this storm is that personally, my house never lost power. It flickered once. So you, you weren't in that four and a half, five and a half million. <laughs> I was not. I don't know how everybody else was out power. I know my, my, my family was out power for five or six days. Um, you know, but for some reason I didn't. So it was pretty well, you amazing. Know, you know what I did? Two got weeks, lucky there. Two, you know what I did two weeks before Sandy by coincidence? <laughs> What's that? I installed a generator, generator. at my yeah. house. Hmm. Uh, because of that snowstorm that occurred the year before. Or two okay. Years. Yeah. A snowstorm a year earlier, uh, or two years earlier. I forget the year. Yeah. Uh, and we had lost power for five days. Uh, so during Sandy, our power was out for about eleven days. But with the generator, I managed to keep it on, off, on, off. The problem was that I don't have a natural gas line that comes to my home. I have a propane tank, so I'm managing a hundred gallons of fuel. Right. Uh, uh, um, making sure that I don't run out. Right. Um, yeah, I did not go for the generator purchase until after March 2018 when we had lost four nor'easters. Power. It was like four nor'easters that month and I lost power for five days and I had a brand new house and I heard everybody around me that held older homes all had generators. And I'm like, I think I might need a generator I out have, here. I have a few hundred feet of extension cords I got to loan you. Yeah, there, okay. there you go. But I do have one now. Um, and I happen to be at Lowe's at the right time, it seemed. Um, but, you know, so some of that coastal damage that we talked about, and we have plenty of pictures from that, um, we actually saw that with our own eyes. Yeah, you guys went down there, right? Right. Um, Frank, you could speak more to this about how we brought some of yeah, our company uh, down there. Well, we, you know, again, the storm's coming in. There's the adrenaline. There's the excitement. We forecast it. We think about our families. We think about our homes. Uh, then the storm passes. We start cleaning up our properties. But for, 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 for a week, I had no TV to even see video of what was going on. And, and with internet on and off, it was very difficult to get some consistent images of what was going on when we realized, wow, these are our clients. These are people we know, people we work with. Um, we really felt um, uh, just the natural uh, need to, hey, what can we do to help? Um, and I asked the staff, uh, they were all for it. Uh, I don't remember how many of us there were, maybe eight, 10 yeah, uh, I think there might have been two groups. I yeah. think there might have been two groups of four or yeah. five. So over two weeks, we we stationed ourselves in Absecon, Um and we split our time between uh, helping one of the um, um, rescue areas, or I shouldn't say rescue, but um, the um, post-storm assistance um, areas in um, uh, Manahawkin and... Um, 
uh, our client, Stafford Township, um, and responded to calls, emergency calls that they had or, or calls for help that they had uh, on Long Beach Island and Stafford Township, in uh, uh, basically in the Barnegat Bay area. And the other was in Atlantic City. Uh, I'm not sure which one you were at or if you went to both or if you um, stayed. I think I went to both. Okay. Um, the, yeah, the Atlantic City was... The Atlantic City was uh, just helping at a resource center um, mm-hmm. um, with supplies and... and donations and things. Donations and supplies. Um, and, and both very rewarding, uh, great bonding uh, among the group. Um, it probably was one of the uh, most rewarding two weeks I've had, I think, in my meteorological career the time we spent with some of these homeowners especially the ones flooded out i remember one couple beach haven west um couldn't reach their daughter for days Uh, their car was totaled um uh, damaged from the rain they were probably in their 80s um still living in the house 10 days after it had I mean, five, no power, no running water. After this is after five feet of water in wow. the house. Mm-hmm. You could the, you walk in and the stench from the mold. Remember, we were yeah. wearing masks and pulling up those rugs and trying to. Um, but they were so appreciative. Let's say they're probably so grateful just to have yes, anyone helping yes, them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and we also, it was also a very humbling thing too. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, yeah, we talk about the excitement of a big storm as meteorologists and, and you know, uh, we know the tolls that it can have on the community, but th- we actually saw what that toll was and, and seeing that. Remember the mounds of garbage outside each right. house, like 10 feet tall of just, would well, that's would, what Alan Spector was saying. I mean, yeah. what he, I, I can't remember the, the number he had, but like, you know, oh, right. Oh, cubic, was, thousands of cubic um, yeah. Yeah. You know, damage. And, you know, and you saw the damages on these coastal houses uh, on LBI. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and we actually went uh, beyond the dunes to see the amount of erosion that happened and where the dunes broke through. And I remember actually taking a picture of you and I don't think you knew it at the time. I know I'm, uh, I'm down there in the distance. It looks like I'm contemplating the universe. Yeah. Seen, you're I've, looking off into the shoreline and the, and you're just like looking at it. And because it was so amazing. It's you mean yeah. this picture right here. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, you were looking at it and, and I don't know what was going through your head at the time when you were looking at all that, but it had to be something to the effect of, you know, just, holy expletive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. It, it, it was amazing. Just um, I can I still remember just about every location we went to um, uh, at that time with the group and um, everyone just so, so happy to see us. You know, we all had our own. Problems now, Mike. He didn't lose power. Everybody <laughs> yes, else somehow I got um, lucky. But, you know, I, I, I still have trees that have fallen on my property that from Sandy that I haven't cleared yet that are in a wooded in area. The woods, yeah. And um, you know, you know, we all had we all had problems. Power outages, trees down. Uh, but but they were small. And Mike says humbling. They were small compared to the losses. That these people, their houses were gone or, or they had to be completely rebuilt. 
um, uh, and some are just devastated and living in this like dampness, you know, a week, 10 days after the storm. So let's kind of turn towards, you know, wrapping this up a little bit. I mean, the future. Yeah. What have we learned from Sandy? What have we learned? What has it taught us? I mean, I know here at, from a business aspect, I know um, we have a much higher redundancy with our communication systems, um, ability to work um, not in the office remotely. Um, but what else can we learn from this is, is maybe well, just as a, a whole a company yeah and, and and even as the, the services that we uh, yeah uh, meteorologically offer. you know from 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 our our standpoint you know we i think we've learned uh, to respect um, the outlier in the models mm. uh, not just to blow it off uh, okay is there a trend here Except for a 364-hour GFS snowstorm, right? Those, exactly. Those we can let go. <laughs> when it's when it's out 15 days, but um, you know we, um, you know we're, we're we 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 balance. I think uh, magnitude of the event better than we did 15, 20 years ago, um, because at that point, the reliability of the forecast out seven, eight days, were not as good as they are now. Okay, there's better science now than there was 10, 20 years ago. And um, uh, uh, I think community-wise, communities have better contingency plans now. The building codes have changed. Mm -hmm. Safety codes have changed along the Jersey Shore. Um, there's still a big argument about whether we replenish the beaches or not, or do we let those homes just fall into the water? Um, uh, and that argument, I think, will go on until we can't build there anymore um, forever. Um, but most of the communities have better plans. I think we have to plan for a, an event that's worse than Sandy. And I'm not sure if communities are doing that, uh, but the contingency plan should be that. And most businesses now do have some type of business continuity plan. And I know one of our clients, Wawa, I mean, that's big on their agenda and their priorities is, you know, how do we sustain an event? How do we get our stores open quickly? You know, how do we move forward and, um, you know, serve our, sure. our, our clientele? Sure. I mean, and I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not working at a DPW or anything like that, but I'm sure they're, preparations are, are much more thorough yeah. after a storm like Sandy. It always seems to work that way. You always have to see that worst case scenario well, and, 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 and to I make think it was the Pat change. Donnelly to mention, you know, we had Irene the year before that. And then from the few I were, I was talking to, they said, oh, we went through Irene and we're thinking Sandy's not going to be anything like Irene. And Irene was well inland. Obviously it was more of a wind issue. Right. This one, you know, this one top, well, combined, I mean, combined everything. Right. Um, I think people have more generators these days. Um, um, Mike, that would have been a good business to get into, you and I. About <laughs> generator years, business? Ten, 10 years ago, yes. Um, no, more homes have generators. Businesses have backup generators. Um, uh, and uh, that wasn't the case 10 years ago. Um, so there, there, there is a lot more thought going into it. What worries me is that as... As time goes by mm. and people don't experience these events, then they become less likely to react 
correctly to these events. Um, um, we're still building along the Jersey beaches. Um, you know, new homes are going up every day. Uh, in fact, last weekend I saw one, another one get knocked down, um, but they are building them better. Mm-hmm. Everything is 12 feet off, off the ocean, off the, uh, sand dunes right now. So, um, um, but how long will that last? Yeah. Should that be 14 feet off exactly. the sand? <laughs> it, it's, it, it's not a question of, you know, uh, if there's going to be another Sandy, it's just when it's right. Uh, is it next year? Is it 20 years from now? But you're right. There's going to be another one. Or there's 200 a, years from now. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, and that's the thing. I mean, I think you brought up a good point here about, you know, preparing for the next one in the worst case scenario. And, you know, we just have to be ready for another event like that, because even though we just had Sandy 10 years ago, um, doesn't mean it can't happen next year. You know, the odds are still there. Yeah. And that's, um, that's, that's, the people, odds are going to be the same. People get fooled by that. Okay. <laughs> San, Sandy's uh, a one in 250 year event. Right. Every year. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, every year it's the same odds. Right. Um, exactly. But, when, but, but, but there are a lot of people that go and play, um, um, slot machines or, mm-hmm. and, uh, there are, their odds of winning that big jackpot are, are less than the odds of another Sandy coming <laughs> in the next, you know, hundred years. So, yeah, well, um, Frank, thanks a lot. Yeah. This uh, is a you're welcome well, for being here on the podcast you guys, for me. I mean, like I said, I, I kind of lived, uh, lived the, the storm through you guys. I mean, you know, yeah. I I'd never had this much depth and, uh, so much description of the storm, I saw what I saw and that was it. And, but to hear it from you guys and hear it from the other meteorologists in the office that were here, uh, you know, Ken and Sean and Rob and those guys, you know, it's just, uh, it's amazing that, that, that it was, uh, it was an amazing, uh, three or four weeks. I think we even threw in some, didn't it snow like the next week? Like a week afterwards, <laughs> it, I think we I had believe, some snow like I on the believe November sixth or seventh. Yes, it was the most mixed up two three weeks in my meteorological yep. life. <laughs> we had snow afterwards. I remember the snow on the damage piles. Uh, yes. Seeing pictures of that, yeah. and it's just that didn't help out no, anything. No. Um, but I, I hope you're. I hope you're a little bit wrong, Frank, with the history aspect that people don't forget. Yes, but. Maybe uh, our podcast here is just a little tiny bit of the effort to keep that memory alive that we don't forget about a storm like Sandy and that we remember, you know, what can happen. Right. What, what, what did happen? Right. So, all right. So thanks again for joining us, Frank. And thanks everyone for listening. Remember, we'll have a new podcast every two weeks. So come back to the Weather Lounge and check those out. And please rate the podcast. It helps push things forward. And don't forget to find us at weatherworksinc.com and all our social media channels. So thank you, everybody. And thanks for joining us. We'll be right back.